Okay. Um, I have to confess something to you, which is that every moment you've spent with me, uh, all the words that I've said to you, the, the way I've kind of inflected my voice using different emotions and volume levels, even the pauses, like that one right there, it's all been in the name of doing one thing, manipulating you. I know, I know, I know. I'm sorry. I there, I don't know if you there was mutual consent or not. I don't know. The thing is, creating anything at all is to manipulate somebody else. I once heard my storytelling hero, Anthony Bourdain, talk about how he loved documentary and heavily produced storytelling at that because of all the tools at his disposal, like music, that he used, in his words, to manipulate the way the viewer felt. And that's what we're all doing, whether we're using different inflections in our voice, sometimes we feel excited, other times we feel excited. All right, that was a really cheesy example, but you get what I'm saying. Even the dramatic pause after the cheesy example. Every little thing we do, sometimes intentionally, often not, is in some ways changing and crafting and creating this experience consumed by our audiences that makes them feel or think a certain way. It's manipulation. Now, it's not this like negative, dastardly sense of coercion. Dastardly being a word I just used on a microphone to send off to thousands of people. But it's not, it's not a negative form of manipulation, but it's still manipulating things. It's massaging the experience and changing it and, and trying to implant an emotion or a thought or a visual in your mind. I mean, something as simple as me saying to you right now, let me, let me manipulate you right now. Here we go. Do not, whatever you do, do not picture a penguin. You're picturing a penguin. It might not be at the forefront of your mind, but like I say penguin, you think penguin. Amazing, right? So if everything we're doing is in some way manipulating the listener, the viewer, the audience, then it begs the question, what about those moments where it just seems to come naturally to the talent on the microphone? I think those things in and of themselves hide the truth. They've had to get really good at practicing sounding like themselves, at being themselves. It's not a natural thing to put a microphone in front of somebody else and say, all right, be yourself. Just talk naturally now. Go. I mean, as I speak these words to you right now, I'm pulling from years and years and years of public performances on stages, through my writing, and now on podcasts over and over again. And the guests that we talk to today, and yes, there's two of them. These guests talk about that and have worked on that. The ability to remove this barrier between who you are and who's coming through on the microphone and actually just be. Be themselves on the microphone in ways that sound warm and uplifting, like they're forging a deep connection with each other and with you, the listener, and also getting their guests to do the same thing. This is hard. This is a performance. This is for lack of a better word, manipulation. From the big moments of story down to the tiniest of things like letting the music hit at exactly the right time. I wanna know how to do the things you do A thing, a two, a three that only comes from you Welcome to Three Clips, the show where podcasters take us inside their best work. I'm Jay Akunzo, 
And I believe that creativity is all about the tiny techniques, the micro moments, and the refreshing wrinkles. So every episode, we dissect a show that we admire a few pieces at a time. Today, we talk to Chris Savage, the CEO of Wistia, and his producer, Sylvie LeBeau. Both of them reveal the small stuff, the tiny techniques, and those refreshing wrinkles I mentioned that go into making a great episode of their show, Talking Too Loud. And uh, my journalism is showing right now. I do have to disclose, Chris Savage's company, Wistia, is the video and podcasting platform that sponsors my work. Uh, But I've known Chris since, I don't know, 2012, let's say, and a bunch of people on their team, and they're sponsoring us because... They agree with how we view the world. And so they're building their show with a similar idea behind it. And I opted to reach out to them. It is not a part of our sponsorship agreement. I wanted to talk to them about their approach to their show because I do think there's something we can learn here. So they are a sponsor, but this is not, I guess, sponsored content. I I don't want you to think that. So instead, let's mix up the sponsor section right here. This episode is sponsored by Growable Shows. Growable Shows is my on-demand course, the first course I've ever tried to make, and I think it's going really well. The idea of Growable Shows is to help you make a show that makes a difference, and the number one reason a show does not do that, the number one reason a show fails, doesn't find an audience, doesn't grow, is the idea fueling the entire series hasn't been developed. You're just talking topics with guests, or by yourself, or with a co-host. We have to develop the premise. The premise is the most important thing. The premise is where you overcome that first important challenge to make your audience's favorite show. Say something that matters. So this course exists to make it easier to turn your initial rough but relevant ideas into a pithy, powerful premise that creates excitement, drives subscription, deepens audience relationships, and increases brand affinity for you and your show. The best way to do all that is to put a process to it, test, write, and share your ideas before building the show. So if you're thinking of launching a show, if you like this podcast because you admire what podcasters do, check out Growable Shows. There's a link in your show notes, or you can head over to marketingshowrunners.com and click workshops and look for the link at the top of that page. Growable Shows. Don't make a show, make a difference. And now let's learn from Chris and Sylvie. How did you get into podcasting, Sylvie? I've always loved radio, and I was working for a nonprofit for many years, but not on the editorial side. Um, And then I left. I I went away to South America, came back and was like, I'm doing it. I'm getting into editorial. And I took a bunch of classes and started working again at StoryCorps for the editorial team. And then podcasting had a boom. And here we are. Uh, Savage, this is your first show you've ever hosted, right? The first podcast anyway? Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, what is, what's like your worst cold sweats moment as a podcast host, or have you done enough public things and video work that it's been a breeze? Uh, no, I think the worst, the worst moment in, um, so far has been, I think we've been able to get guests that are, that I don't know at all. Mm. And I'm used to like working really hard to get those people. And I've been surprised by how quickly that's happened, but I've had some moments with people where, you know, uh, I'm like, I, can I get anything out of them? Can I get them to emote or like say anything? And you're just like, is this whole thing ruined? And yeah, I think it's just such a different format that it's allowing us to have different conversations, which is awesome. But it means I'm, I'm having conversations with people that I don't think I could have otherwise. Yeah. Why is it a different format? Because I think like if you do a quick scan of the show, you're like, okay, a CEO of a tech company is interviewing successful people. 
So there's obviously more layers to it, right? So what what do you mean by the formats? A I mean, like I, th- I I even just like the ease of production is it, mm. is changing who we can talk to because especially because everyone's at home or a lot of people are at home and people are up for doing podcasts. I think because they don't have to show you know what their room looks like. It doesn't have to be like a perfect video. People are saying yes, which is really exciting, and we're talking to a broader array of folks. And I'm used to having that, like, because it was harder to get to them, I actually knew them or met them along the way or, you know, whatever. Um, And I could judge how willing they were to just, like, be themselves. And so here I found that it's more dictated. In podcasting, I mean, it's a lot of it is just, like, what's the quality of the conversation? How, How well do we get along? How much is everybody, like, vibing with each other? And that is going to have a huge impact on the quality of the show. But like it's harder to know going in almost because it's easier to get people to, yeah. to be on the show. But it's also super different from video, right? Like you guys are used to the like the 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 production lift for video is is heavier. Yes. Wouldn't you agree? Exactly. It's, yes. Right. Yeah. And so in video, it's like, well, we've looked at the other stuff that someone's done. How comfortable are they being themselves? What topics are working? What have you? And then what I'm finding now is that because it's easier to book someone doesn't mean you should book them. You know mm. what I mean? Like, and that's different. It's so it's almost like shifting where the work needs to be done um, in a podcast versus a video. Right. If I gave each of you two years worth of money, congratulations, you're on sabbatical. You're going to hit pause on whatever ambitious stuff you're working on now. Don't worry. That's going to be there when we return. You're going to take two years. You're going to have an ungodly amount of money to make any mm-hmm. show you want about anything you want. What's the show about, Sylvie? Oh, my God. You're killing me here. <laughs> I don't want to give away my podcast secrets. Deepest, darkest idea. Well, okay, I'll tell you what. I do have a passion project that I've been sitting on. So my friend and I, um, for many years, uh, we hosted a live storytelling event in Brooklyn called Two Truths and a Lie, which is like the game that we all know. We had a theme. Six storytellers took the stage. Four of them were telling true stories. Two of them were lying. And at the end, the audience had to guess who were the liars. And so we recorded all of those performances, all of those nights. And I would love to turn that into a podcast. That's awesome. How about you, Chris? It's a funny question because I feel like I am so fortunate to be in a position where a lot of the stuff I want to do, we get to try to do. But I think if I was just blank slate, you know, one of one of my dreams is to someday have a hand in creating a large scale action film. So I think I would just try to figure out how can I, how can I, how can I get myself closer to that? Uh, is it a show about the behind the scenes of like, you know, the productions that goes on or like, I would just try to use a show to get myself really close to the right people. So I can like, wait, I love that idea. I think you could do that. You could call it big bang. Uh-huh. Okay. I like it already. Uh-huh. <laughs> and you could just like interview so many people who are involved in production that nobody knows about, like all the Oscar awards or they're like, yeah, exactly. Sound, bleh, sound mixing. Yeah. Which I shouldn't have gagged to because sound we, love, yeah. we love engineers here. Yeah. We love engineers. <laughs> We've now entered an actual opening moment of talking too loud <laughs> with, with Chris and Sylvie doing their thing on our show. This oh, is sorry, sorry. Sorry. No, this is great. And we're gonna we're gonna I'm gonna ask you some weird questions about that ability. All right, so 
you've heard from these two, you've heard a little bit about their show, but it's now actually time to hear their show and dissect it piece by piece. And here's how we do it on three clips. First, we're going to start by remembering what our goal, yours and mine, really is. Make the audience's favorite show. There are four core challenges that we face trying to do that. Say something that matters, get listeners to the end, deepen relationships with the audience, and reinvent the experience so you never grow stale. So we found three clips, one for each of the first three challenges. Then we talk about that fourth challenge, reinvention, by asking Chris and Sylvie how they plan to avoid stagnation over time and what they're experimenting with. And by the way, every episode, stick around until after those four segments and after the credits for podcast suggestions from our guests today. We ask people every time, what's a show that's not at the top of the charts that you think we should all be listening to? Okay, let's go to the first section to break down Talking Too Loud, the section about their premise. When you make a show, the point isn't to make some content. The point is to make something that matters. It just happens to be audio packaged as episodes. And so that means developing an actual premise. Uh, Savage and I come from B2B, where the premise is pretty much all the same all the time, which is smart person talks to other smart people about how they became successful. Uh, We can do better, and we're starting to. Uh, So for a podcaster, I think the premise informs every choice from the big stuff, like who you book, the stories you tell, to the tiny stuff, the little in-moment details like questions you ask or the order you ask them. For a listener, the premise is why they'd care. It provides motivation to actually subscribe. And, And by the way, I don't mean click a button. I mean, subscribe to your beliefs or your point of view or the big idea, like subscribe in the the classic sense of the word, which yes, leads to the button click, the email subscription, that kind of stuff. So the premise of your show is what the show is all about, which gives the audience a reason to be all about your show. See what I did? I'm proud of that line. That was a good good one, right? That was good. That was good. (laughs) I miss human beings. Uh, So let's play a clip now that conveys the premise of today's featured show. And first up, this clip needs a little bit of context setting. So the episode we're pulling from, from uh, Chris and Sylvie's show, you interview Michelle Corey, mm-hmm. who is the founder of the podcast consultancy company, Frequency Media. They've made podcasts with brands like Coke. Uh, Chris, just give us a quick like sum up of what Michelle is all about and what her company is all about. Just the context so people are familiar with her and her company. Yeah. So Michelle started this company a few years ago and they quickly have started making podcasts for a lot of really big brands. And they're just really good at helping um, companies figure out like what conversations do they have a right to enter and how can they make stories that like align with like the brand values and the stories that the conversations that they have the right to enter. Okay, so uh, thanks for that. So right before the clip we're about to hear, uh, Chris, you'd asked Michelle how she thinks podcasting is going to evolve during the pandemic. So this is a, an episode from early in your show's run. I think it was episode three. So it was like the pandemic was still something we were figuring out instead of begrudgingly accepting and or mm-hmm. still banging our heads against the wall about And in the first part of her answer, she talks about how it's basically super hard to tell. On the one hand, you know, marketing budgets are getting slashed. On the other hand, podcasting is a very inexpensive way to do some profoundly resonant marketing and and storytelling and um, community building. And then she says something that I thought was kind of surprising. So let's play the clip. Not to mention I'm an anti-capitalism capitalist. So not only am I trying to navigate this period of time, I'm trying to navigate it while also 
remaining true to my future vision of creating a company that redefines what it means to have a team and to pay people and to make revenue and profit and build wealth in an equitable way. Tell me what you mean by anti-capitalist capitalist. Yeah. So basically... I am a participant in capitalism because that is the system that we have in this country for corporations um, to make a profit and build. I'm leading a heart-centered and human-centered company. That is completely in opposition with capitalism, completely. Capitalism is neither heart-centered nor is it human-centered. You know, we've said for so many years, it's just business. It's not personal. What the f- What does that mean, Chris? What does that mean? <laughs> And so when people are like, it's just business, I'm like, which is created, run, driven by, served by humans? Totally. (laughs) You know? So, yeah, I think that's what it means to be an anti-capitalism capitalist is that I'm engaged in the system because I have to be, but I'm actively trying to dismantle it at every every turn. Interesting. Because I think of it as like, at least what I'm trying to do is like conscious capitalism in terms of like, Mm -hmm. there's a... There's a lot of pro- like when you are only maximizing shareholder value, which like is one of the things you could be sued for. It's like not maximizing shareholder value, which is insane. You don't get to pay attention to the other, any other stakeholders. And the way we think about it, one of the reasons that Wistia is private and like we don't want to go public and also why we want independence is because we get to take care of like our customers in a different way. We get to take care of our team and our community. I want to know just off the bat, what you each notice about that moment as podcasters. Sylvia, let's start with you. As a producer, what are you noticing about that answer, that dynamic between Chris and the guest, Michelle? Um, So I was delighted that they were like unpacking real questions and like that Chris said, what do you mean by this? Like he followed his his curiosity. Wow, I'm like choking on my own spit. Um, He followed. (laughs) That's a fun moment for a podcaster. Leave it in. Leave it in. (laughs) Leave it in. Leave it in. and then, you know, what what she breaks down, sort of like human-centered, heart-centered companies, um, I felt like Wistia, like, again, what Chris said, has been sort of like going through that same kind of reflection. And so it was really nice to see the parallels there. Um, so I was, as a producer, I was like, I don't have to say anything. This is just going. This is just going. Not, Let it not a natural thing. Not a common thing I've noticed, especially for business shows where someone like Chris would say, huh. I'm now authentically curious about this. I will follow exactly up. follow so that much. curiosity. Oh, yeah. So much gets left on the table. If you listen to a lot of shows, especially those created by brands, I, it doesn't. It's not specific to marketers, but you're just listening and you're like, "There's a thing to go deep on." And the host just rushes to maybe the next pre-planned question, or they're just not paying attention. They're not being mindful, so they miss it. And as a listener, especially if you're a listener who is a podcaster, so you're kind of analyzing while listening. You're like, "Oh, gold was there," and you rushed over it. Exactly. Same question, Chris. What do you think about that moment when you hear it? What that moment reminds me of is we're going through this process of figuring out a show. And I've found that those topics that we can cover that are hard topics that don't have a clear answer are some of the most interesting things to listen to. But they're also the most interesting things to talk about. Mm -hmm. That moment with Michelle, I just hear like, she sees the world, she talks about like anti-capitalism, capitalism. I think about it as conscious capitalism, but we're both talking about the same fundamental thing, which is that it's not just about shareholder value, which in and of itself is like a big statement. But then like, how do you back it up? It requires depth. 
we're digging in on stuff that people don't always talk about. And that's fun. Yeah. I mean, isn't that what the premise is for? We're in the section now exploring what a premise of a show is for. Like so many shows, I think, fail. I think it's the top reason they fail. It's because they actually don't have anything specific that they're trying to say. Like they aren't actually trying to go down a path no one's gone down before. They're just retreading the same things you've heard over and over again on other shows. And because they're too generic or because their specificity seems too familiar, but they haven't picked that premise, which is like, not the topics like topics are not a premise topics are explored by other competitors and other mediums and other shows it's like your angle into those topics your hook your point of view like that those kinds of things are so um lacking in so many shows and they're i think they're also built they're not found it's not like the muse struck and you're like oh we're gonna talk about it this way or about this it's something that over time you've been gnawing at and working on and writing about maybe in other mediums or whatever but i i guess i would just put it to you both pretty simply you know, I'm seeing some familiar themes, conscious capitalism, making business more human, which I know is a phrase that for years now, Wistia has been promoting and, and, and trying to lead the way on. What is the premise of this show? If you had to boil it down or, or pitch it to somebody, what is the premise? Yeah, I would say it's, it's going behind the scenes, like how people think about and work through hard problems and remarkable moments. And that, that the answers to most questions are not black and white, that it's all gray. And that the gray is actually really interesting to understand and really insightful. Like you can learn a lot from those things. Um, that there's always an upside and a downside to everything. And it's, so it's going in knowing that. And so a lot of the conversations with people that we've been having are just like, they honestly are things that get me excited and talking too loud because yeah. I spend so much time dealing with these types of problems, you know, that are just, there's right. no black or white. And so it's this very selfish thing actually, which is like, Oh, if this show is going to allow me to learn from people yeah. and have fun, genuine fun doing it and commiserate on some stuff and get blown away on other things. The, the hope is that people, there's other people who want that and they want that like, a shortcut to those conversations. And that's something that I would have wanted. Like I, I think a lot of the business advice is just so black and white and it's just not, that's not the way the world works. Right. Sylvie, as a producer and someone who's been in podcasting for a little while and, and has more experience on different shows, you know, compared to your host here with Chris, what, when that's the premise, you know, okay, we're trying to explore the gray areas. We're trying to turn problems over and over. You're not trying to make it simple or black and white. What are you doing to prepare Chris or prompt him during the interview or chime in yourself? to make sure that that premise actually comes through in the interview, because there's certainly another version of each interview where it is that straight ahead. What's the simple secret? You're successful. Give me what, you know, Brene Brown calls the gold plated grit, right? Where it's like, we wanted to do a thing and then it got really hard for a moment, but now everything's great. Let's talk about how great it is. Like that yeah. could be these interviews. And it's clearly not as Chris is saying. So what is your role and what are you doing to make sure that the gray area is actually something that's getting explored? Yeah, that's a great question. You know, we like like most producers, I put together an interview brief, do some research on our guest, talk with Chris ahead of time about like what he finds compelling about this guest. But I think early on when we were thinking about this show, we were very clear that like we wanted to create a space where people felt comfortable exploring things that they might not have the answers to, that that was like kind of the meat of our show. And I think the premise is really that like 
people are passionate and we want to let people into that passion. It doesn't mean that they like have all the solutions. It just means that they're excited about challenges. Talking Too Loud has a great premise, and you both addressed it just now. And a great premise is just a great start. Your work isn't done. So like, chug more coffee, get ready to work even harder, because once people subscribe, you have to get them to stay. Like, isn't that the point of a show is you want people to actually stick and stay? You know, it's I don't know about you all, but I'm like paranoid at all times that anything I'm saying, the words coming out of my mouth right now are what I am saying and what you are hearing. But the voiceover in my head is going, oh, God, they're going to leave any moment. Oh, my God. You know, once they hit play, you're doing things to make sure they don't hit stop, right? You're doing things to make sure that the answers you're getting, the questions you're asking, the moments you're having, the conflict and tension, the stakes that you're raising and then uh, resolving later are all part of this, this package. So if the premise of a show is providing motivation to subscribe, then what provides motivation to stay? The experience the way you're constructing the actual experience. And I think your show has a great experience. And we pulled out a clip that we think evokes that ability that you both have to produce an experience worth sticking with. And something distinctive about the show is, is not only are you getting to the, the behind the scenes, that like the inner workings, you're, you're putting your own work on display. Like you're building your show in public inside the show while interviewing the guests. It's this remarkable little dance. Um, and I think part of that is, Chris, you're really open about the fact that this is your first podcast uh, as a host and and you're learning as you go. And so this clip kind of evokes that. And I think it makes a better experience worth staying with. So let's play the clip. I, over time, ended up having to do much more media and more interviews and more videos or whatever. I became media trained. But that Mm -hmm. meant that there was always this like distance between who I really am and like the the message I'm trying to get across. And then so well put. And then yeah, and the way what one of the big things about this podcast for me is trying to remove as much of that as possible. Trying to just like because it's it's too hard to do otherwise. Like right like I can't You're doing a great job. Thank you. Thank you. This is clearly authentically you. You just came into this podcast. We've never met before. And it's mm-hmm. it's it's very clear to me instantly that it's just you. Like there's no filter. Yes. You're just saying what's popped in, <laughs> yes. in the best way possible. You're just saying like yeah. what pops into your head and like sharing those yeah. feelings. How do people get comfortable doing that? How do you help someone do that? Because I feel like that is like, it's the secret to a lot of this stuff, which is really scary too, to, to put out what you really think and to put it out where you're going mm. to way more depth and there's way more nuance. Like how did you get so comfortable being yourself? And then how do you encourage mm. others to do that. So Chris, uh, how do you do that? Yeah. How do you do that? Um, an easy question. Easy, right. so the easy. easiest question. Yeah. I think at least for me, it has gotten to the, just trusting myself and trusting that, uh, that people actually want to hear the process, you know? Mm. And so, um, that that is the interesting part of the interesting stuff. And, it is a weird thing to get used to doing and it is a, a weird thing, but it shouldn't be because that's who you are all the time. And I, it's funny, I think with like Sylvie and I, for talking too loud, we, <laughs> we have these intros that are ridiculous talking about ridiculous things. And then it often makes its way into the interview. And then if we have other meetings, it's the same. Like it's just <laughs> the same all the time. And I think that that's made it easier. And I'm from, I've, I think of it as like a muscle that I've been training to like, I have to train myself to turn this filter off. Like I don't yeah. feel like I have the filter on now at all. But if we had done this interview 
before I started working on talking too loud, I, I think I probably would still have the filter on, even though I've been trying to remove it. So yeah. it's, it's just a, it takes work, you know, and a lot of the people who do this professionally, that's what they've done. They, you know, they figured out how to be themselves because it's too, mm -hmm. I mean, we said, we talked about it in the clip, but it's just too tiring. It's too hard. And it's also boring. You, you know, when you're talking about the, um, all those people that ask the same questions in like tech podcasts. Yeah. My God, I've done probably, I've done so many podcast interviews and 85% of them are the exact same conversation. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, of course it's not that good. Like, of right. course it's not that interesting because you're saying the same shit. Like it, they're, and, just, and, they're, they're missing humor. Yeah, There's yeah. so much opportunity to be funny. Tech is funny. Tech is funny. There you go. Tech no, is we are very important business people doing <laughs> very important things. Lest you forget, Sylvie. So, but Chris, to your point, when you're a guest, so, I, so I've, I've written a book, you know, I do stuff in public. I'm, I'm a very important business person who appears on very many podcasts. <laughs> I appear on very many podcasts. Yeah. And, and my office smells of rich mahogany. I, I have been asked the same question 600 different times. And when the guest gives a canned response... It's not their fault as a host. It's yours. Yeah. Because you're not asking them anything different. So they're entering either um, like sort of blackout and give an answer mode. Or I even think it's like self-preservation. It's like I'm yeah. so tired from being on the circuit or I'm so tired of being asked the same question, even if I'm not in, in promotion mode, that I just I'll just give you the thing that comes to mind because it's I've been asked this several times before and I'm being safe. Yeah. That makes me think of when we were doing Brandwagon, which is the show we did last a year and a half ago. I had a guest on. And there was the first time that every question I asked, they just went to the scripted answer. And I asked some questions that I was pretty sure they had never gotten before, but they just pivoted back. And I was like, what the hell is so, so annoying. And so eventually I like, I re I genuinely wanted to know the answer to a question. Like I, I didn't care about the show anymore. I just had to, I'm sitting there with them. I was like, I have to know. And so I asked them a question They gave me the, the stock answer. And then I literally, I said, no. <laughs> and I said the same question again. I, and he's like, oh, no one's ever asked me that. And I was like, <laughs> okay, so what do you think? And they like, he gave me this incredible answer, but it, it was so, it was like actually kind of embarrassing to be like, literally, you didn't come close to answering this. And it's a, it, people just snap into that. My point being like, sometimes you have to work really, really hard to break them out of it. I do think it's easier with audio, I have to say. Like there's something about video, I think that makes people, that just makes people a little bit more like stay on script, people are watching. There's something about audio that's a bit more liberating. That's what I think. Can you hazard a guess as to why it's more liberating? Uh, I don't know. I feel like it's just like you and the mic. There's no muss, there's no fuss. I'm just like saying words now. No muss or fuss. <laughs> <laughs> no muster fuss. I don't know. There's it feels it feels more intimate, I guess. Like you don't have the lights, you don't have the crew. It's just like here we are, the four of us yeah. having this conversation. There's there's nobody like waiting in the wings being like, do that. No. Right. Yeah. I do think so. I did a three-part docuseries for the first time I was in the field doing video work, like trying to interview guests I hadn't met before. Every other bit of video work I'd ever done there wasn't quite as many people around. It wasn't like as big a production. And it was more like I had met the people before or I was being interviewed. So now I'm like in the host chair interviewing somebody 
with lights and an audio guy, like somebody strapping some device to their chest. It's not natural yeah. to have a lot of people around you watching you, right? That's why I like reality TV to me. It, it kind of blows my mind a little bit that like people at all seem, I don't want to say real because it's such a jam, but like they don't seem hyper aware of all the apparatus of video production around them. And I think that's because, and this is a trade secret, they're drunk. <laughs> Every reality shoot, the subject is drunk. What an advantage over docu-series and business shoot. Anyways, on a podcast, you don't have to be drunk. I'm drunk right now. It's 9.30 in the morning, but you don't have to be if you don't want to be. You can just have a conversation. So I guess what I'm saying is, if you're not a good host, just get drunk. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's move on to the next question. Uh, Sylvie, where, where has Chris gotten better? Like, I remember listening to my first episodes. I'm like, I can do this. I can talk to people. And I sounded bored and I didn't ask the right questions. Like listening back years later, I'm like, oh, it's, it was egregious. Chris, I'm sure you felt the improvement and you can now see it. You can sample it if you go back. Sylvie, analyze your host for a moment here for us. Where has he gotten better? What has he actually actively worked on? And how has that changed the show? Um... He's gotten, he's got, you have gotten. Thanks, Sylvie. So Thanks. I'm right here. You're right here. You're right here. <laughs> let her rip. So, let her rip. I think you have gotten better at forgetting that the microphone is there, which is what I want. I want you to just like be in the moment. Um, I think transitions have gotten better. I still want to work on those. So. <laughs> transitions are hard. Like it doesn't, it doesn't matter. Just moving from, from subject to subject is very hard. Can, what do you mean by transitions specifically? Just like if we're pivoting topics within an interview, especially if you've like dug in deep, which is what you want. If you've dug in deep, how do you kind of climb out of that hole and move to the next topic? Yeah, um, especially when there's a guest who doesn't want to climb out of the hole. Right. But you're like, oh, our listeners want to hear something else or, yeah. you know, or like we naturally want to move on to something else. I think it can be it can be like, so anyway, you want to not, you want something a little more elegant. You want something a little snappier. But I, I, I think overall, just like you following your curiosity has gotten so much better. And I think that's just from doing it. It's, it's by virtue of doing this and talking to more people and being like, huh, I'm, I am in this moment. I'm present. I'm thinking about this more critically. Let's stay here. Mm. Chris, do you walk in with a like a rough plan or outline for an interview? I, I'm always struck when I hear like a like a journalist on a show will say, you know, their guests will start to meander over to a topic and the journalist will cut them off and say, we're going to get to that in a little bit. And so it's clear they have like a rough structure to the interview. Do you have any kind of outline or rundown heading into these things or you just sort of let the, the interview fall where it may? We usually have a structure of things that are the topics that we want to make sure we cover given the guests and what we know about them and having talked to them in advance on like things that they're excited about. Cause obviously if we send, send the interview into an area that they don't want to go, it's not going to, it's not going to go well. Um, at a lot of it is actually, I think the thing I keep realizing more and more, and it's funny talking about the difference between video and podcasting. Cause I had to do this in video. Like I had to, I had to figure out, how to get someone to try to forget the equipment. Mm. And so usually what I would do like with Brandwagon is I would always start with questions that never made it into the interview that were just completely insane. And they were trying to just throw someone completely off. So I had someone on and I discovered their favorite place to get tacos. And that's where they went every Monday. 
So I just said, like, why do you love Takri del Sol so much? Like, what is it about Takri del Sol? And they were just completely shocked that we were going to go there. And so then when I finally started talking to them about, like, what I thought the show was going to be about, they were totally open and and comfortable in there. And I, and I think, like, we go in with a plan, but almost the most important thing, I think, is, like, how do we get the guest comfortable and trying to do the same thing, remove the filter at the beginning, the filter removal system. And uh, that is a lot about, like, making it casual, making them feel safe, telling them that we're going to cut anything they want to cut, and then just being silly. If I can do that properly and Sylvia and I can kind of create that space, then it's easier for us to navigate the conversation. And it is more of a conversation than an interview. Totally. I love that, that like latching onto something that you've seen from them that is personal and they kind of light up. I, I've tried to manufacture that a little bit. If I don't have the detail, I'll say, I'm going to check your levels. Um, what would your last meal on earth be? Or do you have any pets? Yeah. Because they light up. They're like, oh, let me tell you about Fluffy. Or like, I got three kids. Like, that's kind of like enough. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah, yeah. <laughs> <You know? laughs> um, Sylvie, any things that you've tried on Talking Too Loud or other projects that when you sense a guest is not really ready to give a good experience for the listener, that you get them to relax and open up? Any other techniques? Mm, I feel like you named a bunch of them, but I, I think... Um... The fact that there's like two of us in in the interview space and they again, they're like sort of seeing how we relate to each other and then inviting them into that dynamic, I think is huge and tends and tends to like ease some some of the apprehension that guests might feel or just like, yeah, like kicking over like, I don't want to say it's a jab, but like, you know, the show is called Talking Too Loud and we had a guest on who like that's not his idiosyncrasy when he gets excited about something. He's he's not talking too loud. So I'm like, you don't you don't strike me as a loud talker. Kind of like an <laughs> observational moment that lets them expand on who they are. I think that's another way to get people to open up. So Talking Too Loud has a great premise, and it's intentionally created to be a great experience. In other words, listeners feel motivated to subscribe and to stay. And once listeners subscribe and stay, you still aren't done with the work. Is that right? That's what it says in the script. I think there's still more work to be done, which is you actually have to earn their trust and love. Like, that's what this stuff is for. Uh, Chris and his team at Wistia talk about brand affinity, not brand awareness. That's what this stuff is for. And that's how listeners go from listeners to passionate fans and evangelists and part of some kind of community or movement that you're building. You have to connect more deeply with the audience. It's not enough to have a great premise and a smart structure. You have to do the little things inside your show to build that connection with other human beings. So how do you, the two of you, pull that off? How do you become someone's favorite? How do you forge this deeper connection? Um, We're going to play a clip. Actually, this happens after the interview ends. And I think that's a representative moment of how you build connection with your listeners. So let's play that clip after you stop talking to Michelle in this in this episode. Michelle Corey, that was fun. That was awesome. She's a badass. She's a badass. You know, it's there's it's I my what I mean. There's a lot to love about in that conversation, if I can say so myself. But <laughs> the um, I think the thing that like was really cool was she was so authentic. And before we even started recording, she was exactly that same person. And Michelle just has that ability to like get herself there and clearly get other people there too. 
Yeah, and I love. Well, here's some kiddos. That's that's great because this is happening in real time. Keeping it authentic, you know. Yeah. Keeping it authentic. I also I liked what you said about like how you how you can sort of foster that authenticity, like doing improv, getting on stage, just like finding ways to be comfortable in your own skin in a public setting so that when you get behind that microphone, it's like, all right, I can do this. I can do this. Well, yeah. And it was interesting with the Coke podcast that basically they have senior leaders on this podcast and they've been fueling each other by seeing how authentic the other folks have been. Yeah, that was wild. I, that was, I was like, damn, Coca-Cola. Okay. You, you're, you're getting really real. All right. You even impressed LeBeau. <laughs> you know, what's awkward. What's awkward is I'm, I'm working on Your another, last, uh-huh. I'm working on another podcast where how I, could you, how could I, I know <laughs> I very clearly say Sylvie Lubau. <laughs> so I guess I've chosen, I've chosen, I've chosen the pronunciation, but I still want to be LeBeau here. Like, can, can I have both? Can I have yeah. it? Can I have it you all? Can, no, no cases of mistaken identity here. <laughs> Great. <laughs> okay. Uh, Sylvie, the whole time you were hearing that clip, you were like, your hands were over your head. You were shaking your head. What's, what's going well, because on? Because you were like, you had said earlier in the interview, like, you know, when you're in the production and you're recording, you're like heady about, are the listeners going to leave? <laughs> That part doesn't happen to me until the playback where I'm like, oh, Sylvie, what did you do? What did you do? What did you say? Then I'm like, don't go. Don't go. I'll be better. I swear. (laughs) Well, I mean, it's obvious that section does a lot of good for the listener relationship. I'm sure people listening are feeling some warm and fuzzies right now. Why do sections like these? Actually, better question would be, how do you come up? Like, do you just say post game? Do you just say riff? Or are you like, all right, we're going to touch on these three things after the interview? Um, no, it's kind of riff. Okay, we have to shout out, right? We have to shout out Silent Adam, who is who is also, uh, he's the lead producer at Wistia. Um, and he produces our intros and outros, because I found that it was too difficult for me to produce it and be in it. Um, so he he's there to kind of like steer us. But I think Mostly, we just say, let it, like, we're going to riff, right? Mm-hmm. Does that sound right to you, Savage? Yeah, it's like a, a scary thing to admit that there's really no plan, <laughs> but there's mostly just no plan. Just for the intro outro. Yeah, I, I think it's, you know, we wanted to have the vibe and the space that you can see almost like, how are we with with and without the guest is an almost interesting of itself because, like, you can tell with some guests that we are even more... It's like there's it's like there's no difference between the intro and outro and the interview. It's mm-hmm. just it's an ongoing thing. And sometimes it's a little bit different, which I think if people actually like the show and they like listening to Sylvie and I talk and work through stuff, then they might tell like every interview isn't going to be perfect, right? So like they might be able to listen and be like, "Well, that interview was like I it wasn't my favorite, but then they hit the end and they're like, "Well, I do I do like this." <laughs> uh, and it's it's just about like I think giving the space and the humanity to uh, to connect with that. It's like everything we're talking about before. It's just like putting it out there. And we want people to listen to this whenever they listen to podcasts. But if that's like when you go for a walk, if you're commuting, if you're at the gym, like if you listen to them when you're cooking, whatever. And I think the best podcasts are like 
things that are entertaining and that you learn from and that motivate you and that align with your interests. And so in this case, it's trying to be that place. It's like giving you, giving you some relief and like entertainment and um, just genuine connection, which also I would bet like some people love it. And I would bet there are also people who truly hate those parts. Oh, I was, yeah. you know, was going to touch on that because it does seem like a lot For of the sure. banter sections are present in a lot of shows and, and, you know, they kind of do the intro outro style banter. And I, maybe it's taking cues from famous hosts. Conan O'Brien's show does that, you know, all these big, big name individuals that host shows, but a lot of them are bad. Not the celebrities necessarily, but like the public performers nail it, but the people who are trying to copy them, the the banter and the rapport really is it's not there you two have never met in person and you haven't known each other that long so how do you get moments like that like what's yeah on? you know what's funny is that so there's i mean there's lots of people to shout out at wistia but dan mills who uh heads up studios he was like sylvia and savage you two need to talk and like he knew he knew knows sylvia really well and was just like let's just like see what happens and i think like we just like clicked and hit it off in a way that was very obvious from the first time we were even riffing on what the show could be. And so, yeah, I, I think it's, it's just genuine and uh, that makes, makes it easy and it makes it hard to repeat. <laughs> that, uh, makes. that makes it easy. That makes, that's a new word. Everyone loves it. it. Makes it. Yeah. yeah. Do, do we get a snort in there? Like light <laughs> snort. Um, and, uh, but I think part of it is to your point, Jay is like, some people will hate it. And I've actually embraced that. Like, if you hate it, great. Like, if you listen to the intro, like, these people are full of themselves. This is stupid. I don't This is inane. Great. Turn it off. I don't want you to listen. And it's it's that admission of, like, this is not for everyone at all. I think if you try to make a podcast that's for everyone, you're screwed anyway. So it's like it's like the signal. It's like the, the bat signal. And you either hate it or love it. And so you start listening. You're like, wow, this is horrible. Or, oh, wait, what? Like, I like this vibe. I like this silly humor. I like the fact that they're going to try to tackle some, you know, I'm, I'm going to learn something about business and growing a company. And and also, I mean, like Lulu is Lulu Wang, who came on the show is a good example. It's like she happens to be an old time friend, but like she's an incredible film director. And I want to talk to her about that. But that's not a normal entrepreneurship interview. Right. And I think the hope is that people who like the types of things that we're going to cover are going to dig it, but like, it's going to turn some people off and it should. And if it doesn't, then are, do we have, does it have any, to your point, like, is there a premise? Like, is there, a, is there an actual show there if it's not turning people off? I want to mix it up because every show faces the same enemy, which is stagnation. If you're doing something consistently over time and you repeat the same thing the same way every single stinking time, you're going to start to tune out yourself as the creators and your audience will start to tune out. So the way you combat stagnation is proactive reinvention. And so I'm curious, are there things, maybe each of you can come up with like one really quick one, but are there things you would like to try or are actively trying to keep the show fresh over time? Um, Sylvie, let's start with you. Yeah, I mean, we are, we're playing with the idea of releasing some bonus episodes and like, you know, what those will sound like. Are they going to be just conversations between me and Savage? Are they going to include guests? Um, so I think that's one way that we can definitely vary the cadence of the show and like let listeners in a bit more. And another way is like, we're really digging into promotion and marketing and like, what other assets can we incorporate to to like get people subscribing? Maybe that's like selfie videos. Maybe it's like 
doing more with the studios team. I mean, I think there are ways for us to definitely evolve our sound and ways for us to evolve our visuals that will like get listeners re-engaged and get new listeners subscribing. Chris, really quick, is there one thing you'd like to try to reinvent or get better? I mean, there's a lot of things I wanted to get better. I think I'm zeroed in on like, how do we get the guests talking about things that they almost like talking about things for the first time? I think when we have those conversations, when someone's working through something, that's like the most, the most interesting for us. And I think also interesting for them. And that makes it interesting to the listener. And that comes down to a combination of like the prep and how comfortable they are and like willing to go down roads that they, that there aren't clear answers to. That's what gets me excited and trying to, as an interviewer, get to that place faster with people that I don't have a connection to. And I think that's, that, that is the, the ultimate challenge. Awesome. Uh, some shows send swag to their guests to say thank you. Some send little notes. What I'd love to do is place a small donation to No Kid Hungry in both of your names as a way of saying thank you for coming on the show. Um, obviously, right now, if people listening can contribute, they should at nokidhungry.org because there's too much food insecurity in this country and it's only getting worse right now because of the pandemic. So Sylvie, Chris, the masterminds along with Silent Adam behind and so many others, I'm sure, uh, behind Talking Too Loud. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for having us. Thanks. Thank you so much for listening. Every time you do, you're supporting an independent podcast built by independent creators. This episode was produced by Andrea Moraskin. Original theme music by Cardboard Rocket Ship. And big thanks to Wistia, not only for having their CEO and their producer join us today, but for sponsoring everything that we do this episode aside. You can check out Talking Too Loud wherever you get your podcasts or their other video and audio original series for makers and marketers at wistia.com slash series. You can hear from me every Friday in my newsletter. It's called Playing Favorites. Every Friday morning, I send one idea or story about the same problem. How do you make someone's favorite stuff? Because that's our jobs. So check your show notes for a link to all of this or subscribe to my newsletter at marketingshowrunners.com. And now it's time for our final segment where we ask our guests to give us a shout out to some podcasts that they think deserve some more love. This is the final segment that we call Play It Forward. Feeling My Flow. Um, it is a show for tweens about tweens going through some... Uh, some adolescent changes, um, namely menstruation. So check it out. Feeling my flow. Feeling my flow. FMF. Yeah. I'm going to go a very different direction, uh, (laughs) (laughs) too, on probably every, every front. I have been, I just think with everything that's going on in the world, I'm listening to more podcasts that I am trying to just bring more joy to me. And one of them, which is actually very, it's a very dumb show called Smartless. And it has very major actors and it's Jason Bateman and Sean Hayes and Will Arnett. And it's just the three of them being morons, like talking to people. Um, and I found so far, not every episode's perfect, but some of them really, I'm like laughing, like laughing, 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 laughing. So it just, it brings, it brings me joy in dark times. It's marvelous. All right. That's it for this episode. I'm Jay Akunzo, and I believe this work is not about who arrives. We're so obsessed with getting more and more people to just arrive to our projects. That's not what this is about. 
This is about who stays. So thank you so much for staying with me. And I'll talk to you every other Monday on the show and every Friday in my newsletter. See ya.